Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. All of us were young, and all of us were just loving this adventure. It was the nearest thing to being a pirate. When that band locked in, it was frightening. Sweat dripping from the roof, like I'd walked into some weird cult. Went to my brother, Rick, and I said, you know that band, sure, but I reckon we can knock them off in 12 months. He said, yep, okay. And then in came Doc. Suddenly we had a song of that magic. We go from town to town seven nights a week. Then Rick wrote Cape Long Line. We played with Meatloaf, David Bowie, ACDC. But there were issues. We all have to deal with a lot of darkness. The depression, it was him with his demons. And that's the thing I was always looking for in the songs, create tension. Like a bomb. I saw John as the leader. I mean, he's a control freak. I'm a founder of the band, and I felt like a hired hand. Eventually, I said, we want you to leave the band. I was his big brother. It's not easy being in a rock and roll band. It was theatre, and it was complex. The angels were just incandescent. This has changed Australian music. We were too busy just kicking the door down. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 480 Releasing December 1 in cinemas across Australia is The Angels Kicking Down the Door, a documentary that explores the success and drama behind legendary Australian rock band The Angels, an intimate and engrossing delve into the highs, the lows, and the fractured relationships that were part and parcel of one of the greatest Aussie rock bands to grace the stage. The Angels Kicking Down the Door also marks the feature film debut of director Madeleine Perry, who I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast. Madeleine, how are you today? I'm so well and excited to be here. Thank you, Matt. I'm excited for you to be here as well. I mean, The Angels is a band that I really grew up listening to. I'm an 80s kid. And my older brother was a bit of a hard rock head, so I, I, that's kind of like almost like a part of the Aussie soundtrack uh, to, to my upbringing. It's interesting, though, like a couple of years ago, you were approached to, you know, with an idea to make a documentary on the band. Um, they're a band from Adelaide. You're from Adelaide as well. Did you know much of the band beforehand? Is their music, is their, um, the band themselves really ensconced in Adelaide culture or is it something that it's been a while since they've been really present and not much is known of them these days? I feel like through this journey I've discovered there's half, you know, there's a line in the sand and on one side are people who 
know the Angels were the biggest band in Australia for a period and see them as, you know, the rock legends that they are. And on the other side are people who know their songs because their songs are kind of part of the fabric of Australian life Mm. but don't know who sang those songs and don't know anything about the band. And that's a really interesting thing and I think did call for a story because for such a big part of our music history to kind of have not carried over to be understood I think is an interesting thing and, and is is due to some of the fractures in the band that, that, that their legacy is is what it has been it's kind of a little bit buried and I was one of the latter I knew their songs um, but I didn't know who sang those songs I didn't know it was the same band that sang those songs but nonetheless those songs were in the background through my childhood growing up in Australia I mean, I knew the songs. I knew Doc, um, Doc um, Neeson. I knew I've seen lot them, you know, video of them alive on stage. I didn't know much about, you know, bands kind of like, you know, behind the scenes stuff. And really, it's a really just complicated kind of dynamic. And a lot of rock bands do have it. But I think the Angels like really kind of special in that regard because two brothers are like at the core of, of this band in, in Rick and John Brewster. Um, and by the way, now I know why Rick stands still all the time. I always, always wondered why that was. And English really, <laughs> really does show why. Um, that kind of like dynamic between them, that love and hate relationship between them, I'm sure for yourself as a storyteller, as a filmmaker, would have been really fascinating to kind of dive into. Look, it was really fascinating. And from the outset, uh, you know, I had uh, access to the Brewsters, so I could talk to them. Um, and their story is universal because we all have, I mean, siblings or a lack of siblings, you know, but we all know what it is to experience family and um, and how complex those relationships can be. So that was really relatable. Um, I think what was equally fascinating was Doc Neeson because mm. he's a very complicated person with a lot of depth and... He was quite private. So even the Brewsters and a lot of the people we were initially talking to were like, oh, you know, he was so charming. He was such a gentleman. He was always thinking. He was always writing, but I didn't really know him. You know, there were his, he had his friends, he had his family, and it was quite private to the band. So it was such an honour and a really special thing when his family and his friends uh, agreed to talk to us because without that, you know, I had this story of the Brewsters, but there was kind of this third member who was there from the beginning through, I mean, the whole story really until until he passed away, until, the, you know, the band split. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, the brothers are fascinating, totally universal. And then there was also Doc where it said I, I, it was a challenge. I went, how am I going to do this film justice, you know, without knowing much about him? And so thankfully... Um, people trusted us and talked to us about Bernard Neeson as well. When it came to Doc, the thing that's really fascinated about him is that there was the man on the stage and the man off the stage. On the stage, he was just this, this titan, this kind of wiry, tall kind of presence and just so much energy just exuding from me. Sometimes I feel like it was just kind of vibrating place so much that he was just going to implode, you know, just that kind of energy you had in him. Then, mm. like you said, off stage, he was just such a private guy. When you're dealing with a person like that as a as a documentarian and trying to get to his story. How important was it to be able to go through the audio archives and find interviews with him, have him talk about his time in the band, but also to kind of 
tap into family members, his his children, his uh, you know other people uh, that knew him. Because like you said, the band kind of knew him, but not, you know, really knew him. But the, his home life was really, I think, where he kind of shunned the most, um, which is weird considering that everyone knows him as like, you know, one of the best front men of all time. Look, there's just so much depth and so many um, facets to his life. And we told such a tiny slice of it. Um, the, to answer your question, you know, the National Film and Sound Archive interview was gold. You know, without that, we wouldn't have really had his voice, we wouldn't have had personal stories told in his voice. And there's nothing like hearing his voice tell his story because there's it's undeniable, uh, legitimate kind of this authentic, you know, perspective that's his. And whether, you know, he's coloured it or he remembers it a certain way, we as audience members can react directly to Doc's voice. So thank goodness for that National Film and Sound Archive interview, which is three hours long. Mm. Um, but, you know, it was still a very public interview. And I think if if Bernard was around today, you know, a bit like the other band members we interviewed, you know, having had decades go by, having reflected on life, sometimes there's these insights and perspectives now that I think, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe these these people, these men wouldn't have had those that depth of insight or told the story quite this way. Um, and I would love to have heard what Bernard would have said today um, because, you know, that was a while back and he was very open, but, you know, there was a lot he didn't share. And so getting the chance to speak to people who knew and loved him and getting their perspectives on him was just as important as, as the doc interview because I think it was the combination of those two things that helped us start to piece together a picture of this man. But, um, you know, there's so much I don't know about his life still. And, you know, he spent so much time on the road, not with his family, and a lot would have happened there, so much time with the band. Bands spend so much time with each other and yet, you know, so they kind of know each other so well but then I think don't even know each other. My My partner is a touring musician and... I know how much time he spent with some of these band members, but do they really know each other? It's it's mm. a very unique workplace environment and I'm rambling, but I do think that there could be a whole film about Bernard Neeson because he's just a very complex character. Yeah. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Tee Public. Tee Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Tee Public is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon. The world's leading online store, Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. You know, when I was younger, my dream was to be a rock star. I really wanted to, you know, write my own songs, be in a band and such. And it never came to fruition. And the more that I watched the kind of like these rock documentaries, the kind of happier I am with how kind of life kind of started out for me, because 
There is a quote in your movie, I forgot who said it, but it's um they said that being in a band is the worst business relationship you can have because there's ego, there's uh, lack some people might be creative, others might be stifled stifled in their in their um uh, how they can be creative, how can some people write, other people don't. Just one person's a drummer and they get nothing, you know. There's there's so many dynamics going on on when watching like how these guys kind of like kind of work with each other in a business sense. I'd imagine that, um, you know, a lot of people might have the same kind of feelings as me, is that maybe I just dodged a bullet and didn't, um, didn't actually uh, <laughs> come go through with uh, with my uh, rock and roll dreams. I'm so glad to hear you say that because, you know, I, I was aspiring with the team, with the editor who was incredible, Emma McGavisk and, and Liam and the producer. You know, I wanted to make a film that was uh, the producer, Peter Liam, the, the animator, but I, I was inspired to create a layered documentary you know it's a music documentary we want to celebrate the music the band but then it's about these per these these particular people is a second layer and then the third is in this situation you know what is it to be in a band and so hearing mm. you reflect on that is very exciting for me um but you know i don't want to talk everyone out of being in bands um mm. but it is i think it you know we hear this story over and over again and it's i think any creative endeavor you know i'm a filmmaker um requires a lot of communication about roles and clarity and i think particularly back then i don't know what the music industry is like now or how savvy you know young musos are they're probably business people right from the get-go but back then young people would start a band and and maybe they i don't know when you're young as well do you have the capacity to talk through roles and and who gets to be creative and how many hours you'll do and what this will mean for your family life and then people grow and change when they get together so young and take off on this adventure so it is just a soup of conflict <laughs> and um and a really fascinating place because i i think in this case that tension is what created such explosive music but it was just it just also really, really, we say fractured, but, you know, I think at times it destroyed some of these relationships. And then, and then as we all know, when relationships fall apart, where do you go from there? You know, do you, re, do you rebuild them? Do you let go? Do you, you know, how do we, how do we deal with that kind of stuff? So, yeah, it's exciting for me that you've reflected on that. Well, I think the the biggest difference between today's musicians and say something that the angels had to go through was that, Back then, with the record companies, especially, they these bands would be in such deep debt um, because they get these huge advances. Um, sometimes, you know, without even the knowledge the manager might know, but they wouldn't, and then they have to tour and tour and tour to pay all this stuff off. And at the end, they got nothing. The stress on that, especially for such young people. I mean, these guys are like in the early to mid twenties while doing this. They must have been phenomenal. Yeah, and look, and that's true. Industries go through phases. And from my, I'm not a historian of the music industry, but I do understand that. 60s and 70s, things were heating up, but, you know, it was still relatively uh, a more simple time. But the 80s sounds like it was just money came in, big business came in. I think mm. record labels were fairly sharky and ruthless. And so, you know, it's also a story of the time that they were in. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Something I really loved about your documentary was that, you know, I, I do, I have and do watch a lot of rock documentaries and what I appreciate about what you did 
is that uh, visually it was really unique. Um, you have different kind of you have a really wide range of animation styles throughout the throughout the movie, and I really enjoyed that because where sometimes some documentaries might have a certain beat or a formula that kind of you kind of get a rhythm into. What I enjoyed about the Angels documentary is that kind of like that beat in that rhythm gets disrupted and that kind of snaps back into place again. I really enjoyed that. When it came to getting that aspect of it on screen, um, did you know beforehand that you wanted to kind of like, I don't know, weed it up a little bit and make something just something a little more unique as opposed to the usual kind of rock documentary experience? Absolutely. I, I didn't want anyone to kind of sit back and and this was driven by the producer, Peter Hanlon. He didn't want your average rock doc. That was a brief. And I was the right person for that because I, I wouldn't want to make that. I, I'd want to make something where you feel immersed in the time, immersed in the moment as much as possible. So we do have talking heads, but we initially aim to have no talking heads. So just archive and animation only and just voices. And then we ended up bringing in the faces when it was called for, because sometimes seeing the emotion on the interviewee's face as they speak is is the most powerful thing. Adds layer, adds complexity, is exciting, is funny, you know, to see them. So we did we did add them in, and some interviews we even did as audio only because we took such a bold approach of uh, of just using archive and trying to keep people in the moment. Um, so absolutely, we wanted to do things differently. And then Liam Somerville, who goes by the name of Capital Waste as a video artist mm-hmm. and does, you know, video projections at live shows, you know, like really interesting, a lot of VHS art, like projected behind, you know, classical music music shows and big projections in parks. So he's he's not just a kind of run-of-the-mill filmmaker even he he works across different mediums um but he's so diy and problem solving and gorilla in his approach and you know i am quirky but i'm not super rock and roll and i thought liam is absolutely the person to bring in to help me find the voice for this band because you know they were punk adjacent and they were originally a jug band you know, they traversed these decades when I wasn't even alive. I was born in 1989. So, you know, I wanted us, the people who weren't there, to kind of try and go back and feel a bit of the energy of the time as much as we could in the story that we had. And, yeah, Liam was just the person to do it. And I'm actually sitting in the studio where his office is and it's just full of camera gear, VHS gear. So it'd be great for your listeners to understand that, a lot of the animations we made were analog, you know, um, done with, you know, real VHS and filming TVs and reprocessing stuff, uh, really intensive, like the red titles, you know, that's not just made in software. That's like a, a long process because of Liam's, you know, really dedicated, authentic take to his craft and it pays off, you know, I think. And also, just to give credit where it's due, you know, he did five different types of animation and he, on our tiny budget, created photo puppets, which you would have mm. seen. That is a very time-intensive and expensive process normally. But we, you know, well, Liam got in touch with two young uh, kind of game animators in Adelaide who have a thing called Aka Lab is their, is their little outfit. And they repurposed motion capture software and then he pasted the um, photo puppet 
pieces that he cut out on top of the motion capture. So all of those puppets are actually Liam acting out those movements with the pup, you know, anyway. The point is he found a totally off the wall, different funky way of doing it that was faster and no one would normally do. And so the puppets stretch and they snap and it just feels like that's what the angels were doing at the time. They were going, how do we find our own way to make a sound? Something that speaks to the moment, something that's very masculine, high adrenaline and just breaks the rules. And we, you know, tried to build that approach into the way we made the film. You know, nothing about the way we made the film was traditional. Um, because he did the animation like that, the editor had thousands, I'm using hyperbole, but a huge edit program that kept crashing the computer. But we were just we were just making it work. We were going, what does this story need? Let's give it what it needs. Let's not follow some rule of the way it's supposed to be made. And it is much appreciated coming from someone who's watching a lot of these uh, rock docs over the years, really is. Um, final question. So I started off asking you about, you know, what your experience with the angels was before. And, you know, it's kind of like it was something in the ether, but nothing, you know, you kind of knew the songs, but you didn't know the people behind the songs. Now that you've had a couple of years on this project, the film's coming out. What's your, you know, what, what's it like being an, uh, approaching Angels music now? Now, when next time you hear that music in on a, you know, on the radio or in a in a shopping centre or what have you, what's going to run through your mind when you think of the Angels? Is it about the 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 guys behind the band? Is it about the music? What is it that really is going to first thing that's going to pop into your head? I think first up, it rocks. Like I really love it. And I'm glad I wasn't a super fan before I started because I think it would be difficult to make a doco about someone you really love because you do have to listen to their music a lot. And because I wasn't super familiar, I got to discover the angels over this, you know, one, two-year process. So um, I love it. So when I first hear it, I know it and it's familiar and it's great music. So that's fun. But, you know, I've, it's been a couple months since we finished the edit and I've had a little bit of space from it now. So um, I think it's going to be interesting. My relationship will change over time. You know, it was a lot of work. It's a lot of work to make a film. So occasionally when I'll hear a song, I'll go, oh, my God, that was a lot of work. <laughs> but, um, but I think as time goes by, I'll just be able to continue enjoying the music because it's really great and, yeah, it's there's so many relationships, so many people, and and they do pop into my head when I hear the songs, but not one thing because there's just so much we had to leave on the cutting room floor and there's members of the band who aren't even in the story because we focused on that kind of first 10 years and there's mm. been a since and, you know, it's it is a fascinating story. Touched so many people's lives and, look, for a brief moment I thought a rock documentary might be a bit lighter than the kinds of things I've made before, which have dealt with really intense topics. Um, but it's not because it's people's lives. It's their hopes, it's their dreams, it's their families, it's their youth. You know, it's a big story. So all of that does come back to me. So for everyone out there listening, December 1 in cinemas across Australia, the angels kicking down the door, whether you're an old rock head like myself or just new to the band's music, I really recommend checking out this film. It's a rock documentary like you haven't seen before. 
about a legendary Australian band who is really is part of the overall Australian culture. Um, and it's really such a great uh, work here. And I really enjoy talking to you, Madeline. Um, congratulations with the movie. And uh, hopefully we get to talk again in the future. It's been a pleasure. An absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Matt.